0: Hello, my name is Paul Ryan and I'm founder of GP Templates. I work as both a pharmacist and as a GP and I'm passionate about clinical pharmacology and therapeutics and enjoy making international guidelines relevant to those of us in primary care. So today I'm going to talk about a number of different issues um in coming up about atrial fibrillation that occur in our practice so for I, i'm going to break today's podcast into four main areas number one atrial fibrillation and uh, the treatment of atrial fibrillation in women number two but there's some c- confusion about the valvular and non-valvular atrial fibrillation so i'm going to discuss that thirdly i'm going to talk about atrial fibrillation seen on ecg uh in a gp practice so how to manage the patient then once an ECG is seen and once the atrial fibrillation is seen on an ECG. And finally, can GPs start anticoagulation without an echo? So to start off, I'm going to discuss the management of atrial fibrillation in women. So women with atrial fibrillation have almost double the risk of death and stroke versus men who have atrial fibrillation. Now, the CHADS-VASC score acknowledges this increased risks, uh, risk and assigns them a score of one. The interesting thing is that NICE then ignores this uh, by setting a higher threshold for anticoagulation in women. So it's just worth noting. So therefore, a woman can have a CHADS-VASC score of one, but they need another risk factor uh, in order to be advised to start anticoagulation. So a score of 2 for a woman is the same as a score of 1 for a man. So you can consider treatment or treat if you can, and that's a class 2A indication. However, if a woman scores 3 or above, she definitely needs anticoag- uh, it definitely needs anticoagulation, and that's a class 1A indication. Now the second topic I'm going to discuss today is valvular and non-valvular atrial fibrillation. Now, the interesting thing is that these terms do not actually appear in the NICE guidance. But if you look at the SPCs of the different products, uh, the, these terms do come up. So what is valvular atrial fibrillation? Valvular atrial fibrillation is one of two things. It's either a patient with the metallic valve or a patient with moderate to severe mitral stenosis. So this tends to occur in patients who would have had rheumatic fever, so it's not as common in, in, in um in in Ireland today. So an easy way in which I remember it is Mitral steno to the NOAC. Okay, so so it, it it's 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 childish, but it just uh, if I'm starting a patient on a noac, uh, I start them on a NOAC, As long as they don't have mitral stenosis, so obviously I listen, I um, listen for mitral stenosis, and uh, they will be referred for an echo to outrule a mitral stenosis. So mitral steno to the NOAC. So rather than mitral stenosis, mitral steno to the NOAC. So so I hope that helps you to remember because all of the other valvular like mitral regurge or moderate severe aortic stenosis these are all non valvular this is non valvular atrial fibrillation so so I hope that helps uh, people to remember um so if you the next part of the podcast uh, I'm going to discuss um when we're in our GP practice and atrial fibrillation is seen on ECG what to do so there's two main um scenarios number one is that the ecg was performed as a patient has new onset palpitation within the previous two days so within the previous 48 hours and these patients should be referred to a for cardioversion uh so either electrical cardioversion or chemical cardio- cardioversion the second scenario is the one that's most common so we don't actually know how long the patient has atrial fibrillation and then this is divided into A or B. I usually divide it into A or B. One, they're either symptomatic or B, they're asymptomatic. So if they're symptomatic with chest pain, heart failure or fast rate, well, then they should be referred into AE E for, for cardioversion. But if they're asymptomatic, they, they should be referred to the cardiology or the AFib clinic. But in the meantime, we can anticoagulate them um you know mainly with with no acts at this stage and number two um nabivalol or bisoprolol to achieve a heart rate less than 110 and the final thing then the certain bloods to perform uh including full blood count iron studies renal uh, liver renal function liver function as well as tfts and i suppose to think about what why why are you doing the bloods uh, an acute severe anemia can cause atrial fibrillation Iron studies, iron deficiency is, a, is common in atrial fibrillation and cardiac hemochromatosis, rarely, very rare, but it, it can cause uh, AFib. Um, and I suppose just to talk about the beta blockers, bisoprolol 1.25 once daily or an 2.5, which is actually half a tablet, uh, 2.5 milligram daily. So, so, um, and then, you know, you want to get the heart rate less than 110. So the. This brings me to the last part of today's podcast. Can GPs anticoagulate without an echo? So the bottom line is yes, GPs can start anticoagulation while referring for an echo. So anticoagulation can reduce the stroke risk by 70% in some patients. Now locally there's a long waiting list, up to eight months for public echo. Um, And the final point is that with um, noax as of November 2020, there is no pre-approval uh, required through the PCRs, which is uh, very useful. So, and why why do they need an echo? The echo looks for three main things. So number one, it checks for valvular atrial fibrillation, very rare but it, uh, in, in Ireland today, but it checks for valvular atrial fibrillation. Number two, it checks the ejection fraction, so um, uh, to check for heart failure associated with atrial fibrillation or just heart failure independent of of atrial fibrillation. Um, And that becomes uh, significant with regard to calcium channel blockers and that which I will be discussing in another podcast. And finally, it looks at the left atrial size because you do the patients do get atrial myopathy, and um, the atrial size increases the longer the the AFib is there, um, and uh, also then the, a lot of times it's the cause of the atrial fibrillation. So so and that's the root cause of it is that the um is the left atrial size. So and it all the echo also looks at the left atrial appendage and this is where the clot forms. We say this is your cement mixer part of uh of of the pathophysiology. So the bottom line is that you can start a noac without an echo and if mitral stenosis is seen on echo, then we can change to warfarin. So just remember Mitral Steno to the NOAC. And and that brings me to the end of today's podcast. I hope you found it useful and I'm looking forward to delivering my next podcast.